Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Mr. Chief Justice. Mr. Chief Justice, and may it please the court. Our opinion next turns to the problem of what the judicial role should be. People say these are accidents, as if they're weird things that no one ever thought about. That's not what's going on out there. This is Life of the Law. I'm Nancy Mullane. What do you like to have for breakfast? I like a bit of steel-cut oatmeal with hot milk some organic yogurt with fresh fruit. And when I sit down to eat, I rarely think about where it all comes from. And that might be a problem for people who make my breakfast and yours possible. Turns out dairy farms can be some of the most dangerous places to work. There are hinges and machines, huge cows to contend with, and some of the small dairy farms are unregulated. Reporter Eilish O'Neill headed to some farms in upstate New York to find out just how dangerous it is to work on some of the smaller dairy farms. And a warning, there's a graphic description in the first two minutes of our story. Arminio Ortiz Perez lives and works on a dairy farm in Munsville, a small town in upstate New York. The farmhouse where he lives is a bit dilapidated. In the room where we talk, the window's broken and the wind is blowing in. He keeps hopping up to refasten a cloth that covers the missing panes. Yo soy de Guatemala. Arminio's from Guatemala. The most recent survey estimates that 50% of workers on U.S. dairies are immigrants, and the majority of employers aren't sure about their employees' legal status. Arminio's undocumented. Yeah, Arminio says he and his older brother, Marco Antonio, immigrated to the U.S. five and a half years ago. Both of them left wives and small children behind. The plan was to find work, send money to their families, and eventually go back home. The first part panned out. They both got jobs on dairy farms about three hours apart. They were saving money and hoped to return to Guatemala soon, but... Things didn't turn out that way. Arminio says one day in November 2014, his brother Marco Antonio was cleaning a grain silo at the organic farm where he worked. Inside of the silo was a pair of notched screws, and 
Somehow, Arminio's brother got caught on one of them. It mangled his body and killed him. As soon as he heard about his brother's death, Arminio asked his boss to drive him the three hours to the town where his brother had lived and worked. Arminio explains, first, they had to go to the hospital to identify the body. Arminio tells me, yes, it was his brother. They gave him Marco Antonio's things, his wallet, his lighter, his cell phone, nothing more. That was all he brought with him when he was working. Arminio says his brother's death was hard for him. Imagine, he says, Marco Antonio was the only sibling he had in the U.S. They talked all the time. It's been a year and a half, but it's still difficult, Arminio says. Sometimes he can hardly work because he's thinking about his brother, thinking and thinking. The logistics were troubling as well. Arminio had to get his brother's body back to Guatemala. It took two months and cost thousands of dollars. Arminio says at first, his brother's employer claimed not to have any money to spare, but eventually sent a check for $3,000, which covered only a portion of the cost of repatriation. It was a full year before Arminio received workers' compensation for his brother's death. During that time, he alone had to support 13 people back in Guatemala. His parents, his six younger brothers and sisters, his own wife and daughter, and his brother's wife and two kids. What happened to Marco Antonio is not an anomaly. The Occupational Safety and Health Administration, or OSHA, is the arm of the government that writes safety regulations for workplaces and then checks to make sure those regulations are being followed. Steve Kaplan is an administrator with OSHA. He ticks off a laundry list of the ways to die on a dairy farm. Being trampled, being, being struck by livestock, being struck by vehicles, backed over. People have fallen into and drowned in manure pits. There's hazards associated with the way feed is stored on uh, dairy farms. There's hazards associated with the chemicals that are used on dairy farms. On top of all those hazards, dairy workers can have crazy shifts, like six hours on, six hours off, around the clock. Sleep deprivation makes the work even more dangerous. And when farmers and workers don't speak the same language, proper training becomes a challenge. All of this can lead to deadly outcomes. The New York Health Department counted 70 deaths on dairies in the last decade. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system.
Farmworker advocates say most of these accidents are preventable. Rena Steinzer is a professor of health, safety, and environmental law at the University of Maryland. People say these are accidents as if they just, you know, they're sort of weird things that happen that no one ever thought about. That's not what's going on out there. These are preventable, foreseeable incidents. In 2014, OSHA launched what it called Local Emphasis Programs in New York and Wisconsin, two of the country's biggest dairy producers. These are an effort to educate dairy farmers about safety and to conduct surprise inspections of farms. On paper, it seems like a good way to prevent accidents, but here's the thing. OSHA can't inspect most of the state's dairies. It doesn't have jurisdiction over small farms, even though, collectively, small farms employ 60% of the state's dairy workers. If they have 10 or fewer non-family member employees, we have essentially no ability to conduct an inspection on those farms. Even in the case of a fatality. Even in the case of a fatality. Yes. Yeah. That's right. Even if there's a death on a small dairy, OSHA can't investigate. What do they do in that situation? Send agents to ask two questions. One, do you have more than 10 employees? And two, do you maintain a temporary labor camp? If the answer to either of those questions is yes, the farmer could be subject to fines or even a criminal investigation. But if the answer is no, the agents turn around and walk off the farm. Technically, small dairy farmers are obligated to follow the same rules as larger dairies, but no one's checking to make sure they do. Here's Rena Steinzer again. I mean, they're basically self-regulating. And we don't expect anybody to self-regulate. I don't get to decide if I pay my taxes, right? I'm running a risk if I don't. You know, we do everything on the basis of what's known as deterrence-based enforcement. So you find one bad actor and you really prosecute them and that keeps everybody else on the straight and narrow. That's the theory. And you know, you see it in street crime, you see it with the IRS, this is how everything works. Everything but OSHA. Steinzer argues OSHA isn't working at all. Take California, for example, where state workers, not OSHA, inspect all dairies, large and small. In the past decade, there have only been 16 deaths on California's dairy farms, even though California produces more dairy than any other state by far. Steinzer says that just shows how hamstrung OSHA is. It's underfunded, terribly underfunded. It has inadequate legal authority. The laws that it enforces are very weak and do not provide a deterrent to bad actors. And the third problem is that it never enjoys adequate political support. OSHA's budget is about $500 million. That's much smaller than the other two agencies charged with keeping Americans safe, the EPA and the FDA. Those have budgets in the billions. Year after year, the bill that funds OSHA has come with a provision that keeps the agency off small dairies. One of the most vocal proponents for that is Congressman Richard Hanna, who represents a farming community in upstate New York. He also grew up on a small family farm. 
Nobody has a greater interest in staying safe and healthy than the people who work with their families. And for the government to step in and say we know better is typical but wrongheaded. Wrongheaded because regulation won't necessarily make workers safer, he says, and it might have some unintended side effects. The government has it in its head that they can prevent every incident and create perfect outcomes. But in the process, they kill the goose that lays the egg. In other words, more regulation could put New York's dairy farmers and all their employees out of a job. I contacted several farmers who'd had deaths on their dairies, but none of them wanted to talk to a reporter. I still really wanted to see how a small dairy farm works, and Rick Day agreed to show me around. He's the co-owner of the Day Brothers Dairy in Phelps, New York. I'm trying to get into his pickup truck, but it's a bit tricky. I apologize, I got the old beat-up farm truck. You'll have to let me unlock the door from this side. Now, when you close it, you just got to push the lock down. Okay. And then and then close it. Oh, push the lock? Yeah, push the lock down and then close it. Did that work? Well, open it up again. Okay. Now push the lock down. Okay. okay, now slam it. There you go. Everything on Rick Day's farm is a bit like his truck. Old, somewhat rickety, holding up if you know the right tricks. His barn was built 50 years ago. His automatic milking equipment isn't so automatic anymore. And it might be time not just for a new truck, but also a new tractor and skid loader. Maggie Gray is a political science professor who researches dairy worker safety at Adelphi University. She says outdated equipment like Rick Day's can make small farms less safe. The way, you know, the key to open your front door, you have to push it all the way in, pull it out a little, wiggle to the right before you turn it to the left. And then you give somebody your keys and you don't necessarily think, oh, I better tell them the secret to how to open the door because you've become so acclimated to these workarounds. If the workarounds get lost in translation, that can be dangerous, but new equipment can be hard to come by. Rick Day's reluctant to invest in a new tractor or skid loader because milk prices are so volatile. Right now, he's barely breaking even at $1 a gallon. Also, dairy farmers get paid a month behind. In September, they find out how much they made for the milk they produced in August. Big dairies can use bank loans to ride out low prices, but small dairies have to scrimp and save. It's not easy. They don't have enough people here right now that I can get a day off. So I haven't had a day off in two and a half years. <laughs> Rick Day is a fifth generation dairy farmer and has spent all 61 of his years on this farm. Day's children and the children of many dairy farmers have moved to cities looking for easier, better paid work. So increasingly, dairy farmers are relying on immigrants but Rick Day doesn't hire immigrant workers. I'm nervous about, I had one Mexican that I thought I was gonna hire, but his wife did all the talking. He couldn't speak English. And I'm thinking, how can I hire him on to feed animals and be able to read the charts and know what to feed the cows and how to feed them and all this and that. 
If I was in a different situation, the bigger farms or something, you might be able to fit them in somewhere. But in my case, I couldn't do it. Rick Day says he wouldn't mind more regulation. There have been minor injuries on his farms, like workers getting kicked, but nothing too major. No one has ever filed a workers' comp claim against him. He says workers, especially when they're tired, need to take the time to be careful. Okay, I'm going to hurry up and do this or do that, and, and that's how people get hurt. you gotta, you got to try to stay calm and think about it. If you need to take a break, you need to take a break. But not everyone is as cautious as Rick Day, and some dairy workers report feeling rushed by their employers. Dairy worker advocates say regulation is the one way to get everyone up to the same standard of safety. But Professor Maggie Gray says undocumented workers have next to no power to demand regulation. Undocumented farm workers aren't writing checks for campaign contributions. Undocumented farm workers are not going to the poll to support you. Undocumented farm workers are not putting a sign on their front lawn that says vote for so-and-so. It's an uneven power dynamic. The New York Farm Bureau opposes more regulation for small dairy farmers, and they have a lot of lobbying power. That's why dairy worker advocates aren't counting on Congress to change the rules. Instead, they're pressuring organic farmers to add safety standards to the organic regulations. Rena Steinzer, the University of Maryland law professor, suggests another solution. I've gotten so uh, discouraged with the regulatory system that I actually think criminal charges in cases where workers are injured or die in entirely preventable and foreseeable ways is a very important alternative. In one case, this is happening. The wife and son of Francisco Ortiz Garcia from Mexico are suing a dairy farmer in New York for criminal negligence. Their suit claims the skid loader that killed Francisco was unsafe. But usually, lawsuits can be pretty complicated in close-knit communities where the county prosecutor and dairy farmer might be friends. Also, it's not easy for families in Mexico and Central America to file lawsuits from thousands of miles away, especially when there's a language barrier and a limited understanding of the U.S. legal system. In this way, small dairy farms are not that different from other industries that rely on undocumented immigrant labor. The workers face the biggest risks. Arminio Ortiz Perez says if he could be in the U.S. legally, he wouldn't be working on a farm. Arminio says dairy farming is dangerous, but he needs work. And this is work. For Life of the Law, I'm Eilish O'Neill. Death on a Dairy was reported by Eilish O'Neill and edited by Ibi Caputo, with sound design and production by Jonathan Hirsch. Our post-production editors are Kirsten Jesuits-Heidel and Rachel Kane. We want to thank our advisory panel scholar, Dr. Anna Maria Marshall, for her insight and her support on the story. Our intern was Bird Pinkerton. Jim Bennett and Danny Bringer are our in-studio engineers. If you like stories about the law but have gotten tripped up by the legal system, Tune in to Life of the Law on iTunes. We tell stories about the law like it is. 
the story of a woman who was granted clemency by President Obama, judges who refused to recuse, and the price paid when a person can't make bail. Take a listen, then post your review of Life of the Law on iTunes. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. We love to get feedback, so write an email. Each time we publish a new episode, we send people who have subscribed to our newsletter a behind-the-scenes look at Life of the Law that includes notes from our reporters and notes from you, our listeners, as well as previews of upcoming episodes. Subscribe at lifeofthelaw.org. We're a nonprofit project of the Tide Center, and we're part of the Panoply Network of Podcasts from Slate. You can also find Life of the Law on PRX, Public Radio Exchange. We're funded by the Open Society Foundations, the Law and Society Association, the National Science Foundation, the Ford Foundation, the Proteus Fund, and by you. Visit our website, lifeofthelaw.org, and make a donation to help pay for the direct costs of producing our episodes. We'll send you a beautiful red Life of the Law Reporter's Notebook, a Live Law Canvas tote bag, or a Life of the Law mug for your tea. It's our way of saying thanks. Next on Life of the Law... My family pet stumbles out of the backyard into the neighbor's bushes and is cursing loudly. When the Larnberg Police Department is called out and arrests my family pet. So I am so Scott Irish that I had a family pet arrested for a drunken disorderly. That's next on Life of the Law. I'm Nancy Mullane. Thanks for listening. <laughs>